and welcome again to the Strange Room podcast. My name is Jason Barnard. A few months back, I spoke to David Wells for the, uh, the marvellous box set I'm a Freak, which was uh, Proto Metal Heavy Rock. I think that was back in July. And this time we have another marvellous box set and possibly the best one of them all, really. It's called Let's Go Down and Blow Our Minds, the British Psychedelic Sounds of 1967. And um, you can't really get better than that. And so David, again, has picked some of his favourite tracks from the uh, box set. And the first track is obviously a strong one. It is Elmer Gantry's Velvet Opera and Flames. Welcome again, uh, David. Tell me about the box set and um, the Elmer Gantry uh, song, which just seems to have a bit of a Motown influence. Hi Jason, yeah, uh, that, that's right. Um, it, it sounds very much to me like it was based on You Can't Hurry Love, which uh, obviously had been a hit a year or so earlier. And yeah, it, it's kind of uh, sets the stall out for the box set, which is kind of how music was affected in 67 by pop culture, by the new psychedelic sounds that were coming out. In, in the terms of Elm Gantry's Velvet Opera, they'd actually been the five proud walkers, a kind of mod r&b soul band and they supported the pink floyd eel pie in march 67 and that kind of changed everything for them and within a matter of three or four months they re-emerged as elma gantry's velvet opera this was their first single and yeah you can tell that they'd been a mod band uh, and they were trying to kind of move with the times and uh, incorporated motown into that but the lyrics are obviously slightly uh, slightly different to uh, to what motown were doing yeah, and the uh, box set gives um, space to all different shades of psychedelia, some more so than, than others. It's, in a lot of ways, I think British psychedelia is really pop music. It's all based around hooks, songs, whatever. And uh, so, so, yeah, we've got 80 tracks across three CDs because even though everybody was moving with the times, most of the, uh, the songs were still like two and a half minutes long. And so, yeah, there's 80 songs across three CDs, and it is, as you say, every kind of flavour of what was happening at the time, straight from the, the heavy underground bands who, who couldn't get a deal at the time to, to people like John Carter, um, mm. who kind of leapt on the bandwagon with the Flowerpot Men. So, yeah, it, it incorporates all aspects of that sound and that scene. Yeah, the second track that you picked today is one of my favourites. Um, I think it's been compiled before, I believe, but certainly I don't think it was released at the time. It was Geranium Pond and Dogs in Baskets. I love that song. Uh, the only time it's been compiled in the past was, was when I put it out 20 years ago uh, <laughs> on my 10th Planet label ah. uh, as part of Side Trips 5, which was a look at John Edward, a producer who'd, um, who was also uh, a DJ on Radio London and had been in... Um, David Bowie's early band, uh, the Manish Boys, and uh, I think we've probably mentioned Bowie a few times tonight because mm. um, his kind of uh, footprints all over the box set. Mm. So yeah, Geranium Pond were a London-based band. They came uh, into contact with John Edward, who signed them to his Instant Sound Promotions label, uh, sorry, uh, production company, and he uh, he tried to license stuff they did to uh, to various labels. Dogs in Baskets was supposed to be a single on DRAM, but it um, didn't happen, sadly. It's a typical 67 kitchen sink studio production. Yeah, it's a really, really affecting song and, and certainly is on the more psychedelic end of the spectrum here. That's right. As an underground band, they, as a young underground band especially, they plowed their own furrow, really. They didn't copy bands like the Beatles or the Stones. Mm. It was just a band who were almost too young to really have those kind of influences and and just uh, 
just like I say, they ploughed their own furrow. Dogs in Baskets was a song that was given to them by John Edward, and they played it in the studio, and they played locally, and uh, nothing happened. I remember dogs in baskets I can tell the purple from the real Real Round about the earth in baskets Little dogs who cannot Geranium Pond and Dogs in Baskets and uh, David you were you were talking about David Bowie had his uh, handprints or footprints all over the, the box set and this is uh, certainly one of those tracks and I think there'll be a few more in succession here I mean D- David wrote some re- really great pop songs in the 60s and this is one of them uh, Silver Treetop School for Boys which is, I think was covered a few times this version is by uh, Slender Plenty uh, yes, I managed to track down Slender Plenty, um, specifically for the inclusion on this box. Uh, yeah, they were a London band. What happened was that Bowie wrote a song based on a, um, a story in the newspaper. He read about Lansing College boys being done for possession of pot, and he was amused by that. He wrote this song. His manager, Ken Pitt, hooked it around. Didn't really get a great deal of interest, but one of the guys at Polydor, Andy Black, um, liked the song. He was friendly with a member of Slender Plenty and he got them to come into the studio to, to cut the song. It came out on Polydor, did absolutely nothing. And a few months later, it was covered by the Beat Stalkers, who were also managed by Ken Pitt. But, but this is by far the best version. There's a compilation of some of those uh, those Bowie covers from the 60s. I don't know if that's got the Beat Stalkers or Slender Plenty on, actually. Uh, well, again, it was me who put that we used the Beat Stalkers simply because it was easier to license. Nah. But as I say, um, Slender Plenty um, did the first version of it in terms of what came out. And this is, this is the strongest of the two versions, definitely. So in summary, all roads lead to David Wells. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You can tell that again if you like. <laughs> Here's the town in which I live, Petunia Green. 
my shoes There is Mr. Marcus Bowles, they say he's mad Here's the battle that I won with Silver Treat on School for Boys Yeah, 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 early days were good as gold An apple here, an apple there, and everywhere a yes sir, no sir They made me roll the cricket pitch once a day I've never been so happy than the silver treetop school for boys Yeah, 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 the morning machine was leaving small Piles across the wind had blown some blades in the pipe of Mr. Marcus Bowles This man the teacher fell upon the cricket field Smiling, laughing, rolling about at silver treetop school for boys Yeah, 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 hey there He calls in the staff room Loves the grass and silver treetop school for boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. La 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 Fantastic. Uh, Slender Plenty, Silver Tree Top, School for Boys, uh, a David Bowie song, and uh, yeah, a really good one. Uh, I've read on one blog, uh, one excellent uh, David Bowie uh, blog covering all of David's tracks, is, is they describe it as the great lost Bowie song of the 60s. Next, we've got The Rats, and uh, obviously that's uh, Mick Ronson's pre-Spiders group. That's right, yes. it's uh, This is back in up in Hull. Uh, it was Mick Ronson... And also John Cambridge was the drummer, and John went on to be Bowie's drummer briefly, and obviously Mick Ronson's influence on Bowie is well known. Also, the, the vocalist is Benny Marshall, who is on the Space Holiday album, so yeah, again, plenty of connections to Bowie. And in this time, we've got it from John Cambridge, who um, mm. actually wrote the song. He'd been to see uh, How I Won the War with uh, John Lennon in it, and the co- his character in there is uh, Gripweed and uh, he was a big Beatles fan and he wrote Bernie Gripplestone after seeing that film uh, Mick Ronson wrote the music but it's interesting that if you hear this um, recorded in mid-67 and you hear Bowie's work at the same time I think if you didn't know what subsequently happened you would probably put your money on the rats to be successful rather than Bowie Yeah, he was, he was quite sort of almost vaudeville at the time, Bowie Yeah, he was doing the kind of Anthony Newley meets Lou mm. Reed type thing which there wasn't really an audience for, despite uh, support of, of of his manager Ken Pitt. The Rats, well, because of Ronson, they have that kind of Jeff Beck sound the Yardbirds had, obviously, and that's kind of more in vogue in '67 than what Bowie was doing. So, like I say, if if you kind of turn the the clock back to '67 and you heard 
maybe the rise and fall of Bernie Cripplestone by the rats alongside something Bowie was doing at the time, you, you would have tipped the rats for a brighter future, I'd have said. Cool, well let's hear the rats and the rise and fall of Bernie Cripplestone. Life, life and rise and fall, life and death is it of Bernard Cripplestone, take eight.
was the rats. Uh, John Cambridge and Mick Ronson there, and the rise and fall of Bernie Cripplestone. Next, kind of another Bowie connection, I guess. We've got the Tickle and Subway. That's right, as Mick Wayne's band, really. Uh, Mick Wayne went on to play guitar on Space Oddity, and Junior's Eyes backed Bowie for a while as well, especially on BBC shows, I think. It's also an early Tony Visconti production, and obviously Visconti was was heavily involved with Bowie as well. So, uh, yeah, but but irrespective of the various um, sort of family tree aspect of it, it's just a great psychedelic pop song from '67. Yeah, it's one of the hallmark tracks, really. I think so. Yeah, uh, again, probably too out there to actually be a hit, but um, certainly stood the test of time. And yeah, it is one of those kind of genre-defining British psychedelic pop records, really. So let's say one of the, uh, really one of the hallmarks of uh, psychedelia from 1967, The Tickle and uh, Subway, Smoky Pokey World. David, we've got uh, Our Plastic Dream and Someone Turned the Lights Out. And uh, I don't think I'd heard this one before. Um, was this what is, was this one of the totally unreleased tracks on uh, Let's Go Down and Blow Our Minds? 
It's something that um, was put out about 15 years ago on uh, a compilation of Pierre Tubbs's work. Right. Uh, Tubbs isn't really particularly well known. He wrote hits for, for The Pretty Things and Daisy Dozy B, Mick and Titch. Um, but he's also a producer of Roy Harper. He also produced uh, The Silence, who became John's children, from basically uh, a garden shed in uh, his parents' home in Surrey. Someone Turned the Light Out is, like I said, it didn't come out at the time, um, but it's a great kind of electric prune sound alike. Um, we also had the opportunity to use the actual uh, single that came out by our Plastic Dream, a little bit of Shangri-La or Encapsulated Marigold, but, but we went for this track instead because not enough people know it. And um, like I say, um, it's, it's the best electric prune sound alike that I can think of. Yeah, it's certainly got that, that, that feel to it, that electric prunes feel to that. Yeah, I think so. If if you listen to I Had Too Much to Dream last night and then this, then you can obviously see the similarity. I don't know whether Pierre Tubbs was actually aware at the time um, of of the similarity. Uh, I had this when I spoke to um, Open Mind, where the, their last single sounded very influenced by um, the Stooges. And mm-hmm. they said, well, we never heard of the Stooges at that point. So whether Pierre Tubbs was actually familiar with Electric Prunes, I don't know, but um, certainly um, has that sound to it. Yeah, and um, a few years back, I had Andy Ellison on the show, and he talked a little bit about Pierre Tubbs and, and um, the silence, or John's children's early years, actually. Yeah, Pierre Tubbs is one of those fascinating characters who was kind of behind the scenes, working in the back room, and people don't really know his name. Um, but yeah, he did a lot of uh, good work um, behind the scenes in, in the mid-60s, before he eventually found success in the mid-70s. He wrote right back where we started from for Maxine Nightingale um, which obviously had a a life after that as well I think it's been included in one or two big films but but, uh, this is is what he was doing in 67 anyway
our plastic dreams, someone turned the lights out. Next, we have Sweet Feeling and All So Long Ago. Is there a few versions of this track knocking around, David? I don't think so. I do have a, a demo version of it, which is much more skeletal, right. but um, uh, Rod Linton didn't want that to appear. He wanted the actual single version on the, on the box set. So we've used that. Yeah, it was recorded in early 67, as I said, by Rod Linton's band. So that came out in May 67, but by that point, Rod Linton, uh, Rod Linton had, had written um, Reflections of Charles Brown, which was then... Uh, it's, a, it's a confusing story. I, I've kind of laid it all out in the booklet to the box set, but um, it was then uh, issued in the name of Rupert's People with uh, Fleur de Lis actually recording the song. Um, Fleur de Lis then didn't want anything to do with it, and Rod then went out as Rupert's people with the rest of Sweet Feeling. So it's a, it's a quite a confusing tale, but um, also long ago is, is a great Penny Lane sound I like. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a kinks, kinks sort of influence. It it, it's got that, uh, yeah, it's got that Ray Davis observational piece about it, but it's also got the arrangement, which is very similar to Penny Lane, which of course had come out just a month or two earlier. Well, let's uh, hear Sweet Feeling also long ago. a little boy He cried in the night But his mother made it right And he played by the swings Near the railway line He didn't have the rain It seems the weather's fine again Take a walk down the path And see the parky there He was a man so very funny With his foot on air With his hair so very long Though the people thought it wrong He's a funny man A funny, funny man there was a woman with a flower box She watered it each day You know it mustn't fade away And then a black car by door Showed that things were bad The flower box is bright You know it's very, very sad And it's all so long ago
Now we have uh, one of the big hitters, really, certainly around that period. We have Kaleidoscope by Procol Harum. Although, uh, obviously, Kaleidoscope is a pretty uh, well-known track. This is a slightly different version that fits on the box set. That's right. We uh, When we were doing the box set, I tried to... I didn't want it to be things like um, the move I Can Hear the Grass Grow mm. or Wider Shade of Pale, because everybody knows that um, after 50 years... It doesn't matter how good something is, mm. if it gets saturation coverage, um, th- there doesn't seem to be much point in in using it on a box set like this, which, which let's be honest, is aimed mainly at collectors. So we use things like um, "Vote for Me," which was a, a move B-side at Great the time. Track. It is, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, maybe I should have chosen that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of Procol Harum, yeah, um, great song. This is the original stereo mix, which didn't come out at the time. But it was recorded, of course, in 67. And uh, like I said, it did appear on the first Progo Haram album, but uh, this is an alternative stereo mix of it. Take up 
Purple Harem and Kaleidoscope there. Now, David, we've got one of, well, to my mind, one of the rarer tracks, and I, I wasn't familiar with this, which is a good thing, obviously. We've got TJ Assembly Ginger. Again, trying to balance out the familiar with the really obscure, so it's nice to follow Procol Harum, who obviously ruled that summer with uh, Wider Shade of Pale, with TJ Assembly, who were based in the West Country, in Bath. Young band, they were on the verge of breaking up, and they decided to cut an album as a kind of memento of their time together. But unlike most bands of that era, most provincial bands anyway, they didn't just they didn't uh, record cover versions, they, they recorded their own songs instead, so... The album has a dozen original songs on it. They only made 25 copies. It wasn't even sold. It was just like a, a strictly personal memento of their time together that um, I think five band members got five copies each of, and that was it. So uh, the songs are strong as well, a bit derivative at times of bands like The Who and The Rolling Stones and them, but um, this is one of the stronger tracks, I think, Ginger. And they had two keyboardists, and it does have a slightly odd sound, which... Obviously, you tend to get with uh, semi-pro bands, especially if they were in a part of the country that that, um, was quite far removed from the London sort of epicentre of the scene. But, uh, yeah, Ginger, I think it's really strong. It'd be interesting to see what other people think. Assembly, probably the rarest track we've got here, uh, Ginger. 
Now we've got John Williams' Flowers in Your Hair. This is a great uh, song, very of its time. Yeah, John Williams was signed to Immediate as a songwriter. Um, He did write for a few bands at the time. Um, He was involved with Jimmy Page. He'd been in an R&B band called The Authentics. Also, he wrote wrote songs for The Quick, uh, as well as The Mindbenders. But anyway, he wrote Flowers in Your Hair after immediate co-owner Tony Calder, who was Andrew Lou Goldham's partner. He'd been in America and he'd heard an advanced copy of um, Scott McKenzie's San Francisco, We Were Sure to Wear Some Flowers in Your Hair. And Calder came back to England and said, I want a version of that. I want an English equivalent. Um, because he realised that San Francisco was going to be massive and it, the whole hippie flower scene was just taking off. So he asked John Williams to um, to write a song to celebrate flower power, and this was it, Flowers in Your Hair. Unfortunately, San Francisco, the Scott McKenzie song, sold millions, and Flowers in Your Hair sold about a dozen copies, probably. <laughs> the moonlight swings way within your eyes But when daybreak sings just to see you rise Will you do one thing for me Just to prove you care Darling, tomorrow will you wear Flowers in your hair Flowers in your hair Everyone's in love and they're feeling high Everyone's in love and they don't know As night flies by and sweeter music plays Please don't try change your ways Will you do one thing for me just to prove you care? Darling, tomorrow will you wear flowers in your hair? Each hour turns and then turning dies. Another learns and then learning lies. Will you do one thing for me just to prove you care? Darling, tomorrow will you wear flowers in your hair? Sweet baby, won't you flowers in your hair next um we were talking about commercial tracks this band were very commercial but in a you know really lovely way uh honeybus delighted to see you uh you know pete dello really really great songwriter 
This is the demo version recorded before Honeybus had actually really come together. So this is, at that point, Pete Dello and Ray Kane had, had worked together in Grant Tracy and the Sunsets. They'd left to kind of concentrate on songwriting. This was a song they cut with um, the drummer from uh, the Roulettes and Unit 4 Plus 2, Bob Henriot, helping out. Uh, and they issued it under the name of Honeybus, or the Honeybus. Mm. It was only after this that they actually put together the, the, the classic Honeybus lineup with uh, Pete Kircher and Colin Hare. So, yeah, this was an original demo. It's got a melodica rather than the flute that was on the release version. And Pete Dell himself says he, he, he prefers it really to the single version that came out. And, um, yeah, it, it's a really strong song, of course, and it's really well played. But this is, even though... It came out in the name of the Honey Bus. That band, as such, weren't together at that point. Excellent, and uh, yeah, a massive fan of Pete Dello. Wonderful artist. Love his um, solo album. Was it in your ears? That's right. But again, even though he had the support of people like Kenny Everett, who was a massive mm. fan, still didn't really sell that many records. Apart, obviously, from I can't let Maggie go. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many copies the the album sold on on the Panther, but uh, it wasn't many. Mm. Oh well, <laughs> let's hear uh, the embryonic honeybus and delighted to see you. It's been a long time now since we first met. No, I didn't forget the look on your face. I know you turn up out of the blue. I can't believe that it's really you. Delighted to see you, my little child Delighted to feel your lips on mine Delighted to spend the night with you My little child, my little one I remember the time oh so long ago When I didn't know my way around But those days are over And now I can see You've learned a lot Just like me Well I'm delighted to see you My little child Delighted to feel your lips on mine Delighted to spend the night with you My little child My little one Delighted to see you. 
Now we're moving to another uh, rare rare track, another song I'm not familiar with. Good track, this, uh, The Motives and Ice Woman. Yeah, The Motives were a bunch of British servicemen who were not in the country at the time. Uh, they were stationed abroad. They had Tom Winter, who went on to be an opus, who did Baby Come On two or three years later. But um, they wrote their own songs and they decided to make a private label EP. And this is one of the uh, one of the songs from it. Possibly the strongest, but um, obviously Tom Winter was a really good guitarist. Um, and the song is strong, but uh, it, I think they did something like 100, 150 copies of the EP. And I think this is the first time it's actually come out officially. But again, um, a really strong song. It just shows what kind of depth of talent there was at that time. And we were talking earlier about bands maybe not making the splash they should have done. Uh, but you have to remember that, that you had like Lennon, McCartney, you had Ray Davis, you had the Small Faces, you had the Who, mm. you had Roy Wood in, in the Move, the Hollies, of course. There were just so many, um, so so many people who were talented working in the pop industry at the time that the Motives must have thought they didn't have a chance in hell of, of actually making it. So yeah, just 100, 150 copies only of this EP. Uh, I think the EP is called The Words of Trapezium. And yeah, this is Ice Woman from it.
that was The Motives and Ice Woman. Next, we've got a band, really, whose legend, if you want to use that term, continues to grow and grow, especially around the very expensive single that uh, only a few people can afford to get their hands on. This is uh, Tanya by Tintin Abbey. Actually recorded in the same week that uh, B-Side and Vacuum Cleaner came out in late November 67. There were two choices for a potential follow-up single. One was Snowman and the other was Tanya, which was written by the lead singer David McTavish um, after he saw a, a Chinese girl in Trafalgar Square talking to the tourists. Again, a very kind of skeletal demo. Didn't really get beyond that stage, but you can tell... The song is strong, and the the harmony ideas are really good too. It's not come out before, and uh, it deserves a wider audience. Tanya lives within her dream, complexion pale and eyes of green. She left her cherry blossom land for. Tanya lives within her dream Seeing all that must be seen Met her by the tall man In the square she hustled all around with Everyone there spoke to me when I asked the time, pointed to the river, wondering if it was mine. We wandered through the days and all the time we moved towards each other. But in her mind she saw me as a kind of revelation, a figure of her own imagination. Sometimes not enough If I spoke it made no sense Of her ideas of love Now I, now I want to buy the tall man In the square she hustles all around with Everyone that speaks to them in foreign tongue When they ask the time Points down to the river that she knows so well by Tintin Abbey there. Now David, uh, time's really flown and we're already on to our final track but another strong one. Uh, a bit different this, uh, it is QPR supporters 
and um, <laughs> support us. Now, uh, the, the only uh, records from the 60s of a football flavour I'm familiar with are Ronnie Hilton's uh, Leeds United epics. Not really psychedelic. Now we're going, But this one, actually, has got a bit of a sort of psych feel, obviously. Uh, tell us about this one, actually. Well, the A-side is a fairly straightforward, fairly dismal football record sung by Mark Lazarus who was QPR's um, uh, winger at the time. They just won the League Cup final at Wembley. Uh, two down, Lazarus. Um, greatest comeback since Lazarus. Well, this was actually Lazarus. And um, they won 3-2 in the end, so they decided to commemorate that, that epic victory. And Mark Lazarus used to sing in local pubs, apparently, so they thought it'd be a bit of a cracking wheeze to get him involved with uh, uh, this record. So he's on the A side. The B side is something else though it's just a kind of psychedelic freak out i don't know who it is it's been rumored to be either july or the purple barrier but i've asked both of them it's not them so who it is remains a complete mystery but yeah the the fact that (laughs) um, psychedelia was even infiltrating football records in 67 well i had to include it really yeah, well, we did promise to show the full range of the uh, psychedelic sound in 1867, so we are finishing on that and certainly putting that to the test. Sorry, I was going to say, if anybody does know who it is, please put us out on misery and let us know. <laughs> uh, so let's go down and blow our minds the, Br- the British psychedelic sounds of 1967. I think that's on the grapefruit imprint of Cherry Red. Uh, that's right, yes. Yeah, it's um, the latest three-CD set we've put out. Obviously, we did some um, poetry and revolution and then the, the folk thing, Dust on the Nettles, and then uh, the proto-metal uh, compilation. So this is kind of like the fourth instalment. Um, and, yeah, as you said earlier, you can't go wrong with 67. Um, I know history doesn't happen in 12-month chunks, but um, mm. it's just an excuse, really, to put out some great music. Marvellous. Well, let's uh, let's listen to a final slice of great music and, believe it or not, the QPR supporters. Yeah. 